0: Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, my name is Chris. Uh, My incredible wife, Lindy, and I get the amazing privilege to oversee and lead the best group of teenagers here at uh, the Grace Place. And uh, they they keep us on our toes. They keep us young. Uh, They make us feel old intentionally and not intentionally sometimes. Uh, But we love it. We love it, and we, we have a blast Um, Before I get started this morning, I do want to say, Pastor, um, I once heard someone say that a stage is for performing, but a platform is for influencing. And uh, when this building was built, a stage was built. And I definitely believe that uh, you have turned this stage into a platform for influencing. And not just... Not just influence those of us that sit in these seats, but I believe that you have tuned in the voice of the Holy Spirit and he uses you to inspire this church to influence the community. And the reason I say that is uh, because I'm very honored for the opportunity to stand on this platform. So thank you very much. But also I, I got a chance to get a new Christmas green sweater for it. Actually, let's be honest, my wife picked out this Christmas green sweater um, but, hey, you know what? We're only a few days away from Christmas, right? Which means that you're either super excited and happy or you're pulling your hair out because you got a lot of stuff to do. And don't lie. Don't lie to me. I know you've already gone through three or four times all the stuff you have to do after service is over to get ready for Christmas coming up, right? Come on. Uh, but I just want to say we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're joining us. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. Um, you can get your glow-in-the-dark Bibles as well. But uh, Luke chapter 2, it's the third book in the New Testament. And while you're doing that, by raise of hands, how many of you have ever seen the movie A Christmas Story? Come on, A Christmas Story. It's, it's a classic. It's such a good uh, movie. Little, uh, little Ralphie. Am I allowed to say it's a classic? Is that going to get me in trouble? I guess. It's not like a Wonderful Life classic. It's a modern classic. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyways. Little Ralphie, right, and his BB gun. Um, I think it was a Red rider, right? A Red rider BB gun, come on. Uh, well, I wanna tell you something. Luke chapter two is not a Christmas story. It is the, say the. It is the Christmas story. And as you are reading the Christmas story, if you see a red bunny outfit, you need a new Bible. I'll tell you that. Those of you that saw the movie, you'll get it. Anyways, Uh, So Luke chapter 2, we're not going to read the whole thing this morning, but just to kind of recap it for those that aren't super familiar with it, you've got Joseph and pregnant Mary are heading to Bethlehem because the government had ordered this census to take place. So everyone had to go to their hometown to register. Now, because there was this mad increase of visitors to Bethlehem, Uh, all the the inns, the hotels, the Airbnbs, they were all maxed out. And so Joseph and Mary had to find a place to go, and they eventually found a place to go, and Mary gives birth to Jesus, wraps him in a swallowing cloth, and then places him in a manger. Now, transport the story to a field nearby, and this is where we find the individuals that we're going to focus on this morning. Now, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, says this. It says, that night there were shepherds, say shepherds, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angels reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. He said, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Now suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven which just a bunch more angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. Now when the angels had returned to heaven... The shepherds said to each other, well, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. So they hurried, say hurried. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. Now, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said to them about this child. And hear this. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary Kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back, say, went back. The shepherds then went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, because it was just as the angel had told them. So, what I want to do this morning is narrow in on these shepherds, because as far as we know, as far as I can tell, these shepherds are the only ones that were verbally told to share in the experience of Jesus' birth. Now, growing up in California and then spending a few years here in DFW, it's not a surprise. I don't know squat about shepherds. But as I was studying for this morning, this is what I found out. Okay, I found out that shepherds were not high-class members of society. Their whole lifestyle was surrounded by living outside with their livestock. So shepherds were dirty. Okay, they were rough around the edges kind of people. They were oftentimes even seen as outcasts. They were the bottom of the totem pole, not really ever soft after, sought after. And, and hear this, they had no power and no influence. But you know what makes this so cool to me is that this fits with Jesus's future ministry perfectly. Where he didn't come for the righteous, the high and mighty, but he came for the broken and those cast aside. So even as a baby, Long before Jesus' adult ministry, God was calling out to those that no one else was, and he was saying, look, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. Of all people, I welcome you into my presence. That's so cool to me. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to dive into this question. This question right here. Why did God entrust some of the lowest members of society to be a part of one of the greatest moments of history? Why did God entrust some of the lowest members of society to be a part of one of the greatest moments of history? And I really believe answering this question can give us some principles that we can apply to our life. Um, because if, if we can figure that out, maybe, maybe if then applying to our life, God will allow us to not just witness, but he'll allow us to actually have a role in some great moments of our own. Great moments in our marriage, great moments in our families, great moments in our community, and even great moments in our nation and our world. And so that's why this morning I want to talk to you about getting to our greatest moments. Okay, getting to our greatest moments. So here's a few things out of possibly many, but just a few things that I think we can pull from the lives of these shepherds in Luke 2, and then apply them to our life in order to experience some incredible moments as well. So I think part of the reason that they were allowed to experience this great moment was because the Christmas story shepherds understood, number one, responsibility. I think they understood responsibility. Now, Luke chapter 2 doesn't actually tell us they were responsible. But if you look at the life of a shepherd, they had to hold on to their responsibility pretty strongly. Okay, they had to have been pretty responsible if they were to care for, nurture, and protect their livestock. I mean, it was their livelihood. Their livelihood depended on it. And so God entrusts them with this responsibility of a lifetime to experience this great moment of Jesus' birth. And so what did they do? Okay, well, the angel tells them the Messiah is gonna be born. And instead of letting greed get in the way, because they could have done some serious damage and put some serious coin in their pocket with this information, instead of letting pride, Or insecurities get in the way, like King Herod, who in the book book of Matthew's account of the Christmas story, who as soon as he found out about Jesus, the new king of the Jews, he was scared for his position. And so he had wanted to have Jesus killed. So instead of letting greed or pride or insecurities get in the way, what did they do? Well, they listened to the angels, went to see this baby. And when they got there, they told everyone in the room, of the incredible things they were just told here. Confirming and encouraging Mary that this just wasn't some fluke thing that the Lord did, but he had a plan for her and her child. Verse 19, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Listen, God wants you to have these great moments in your life, but the question is, can he trust you to handle them responsibly? If it's these great moments in your career or your future, will your ego, pride, or greed get in the way? If it's a a great moment in maybe the life of someone you love or someone close to you, will insecurities and bitterness rise up? Listen, if God was to present to you this great moment in your life, could he trust you to be responsible to handle and experience it in a godly way? With humility, gratefulness, praising God for it, and so on and so on. Look, I think God could entrust some of the lowest members of society to be a part of one of the greatest moments of history because the shepherds understood the responsibility that they were given. Okay, but not only did they understand responsibility, but they understood, number two, when to rush. When to rush. Verse 16. says, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. Now, shepherds don't live a lifestyle of urgency, right? They don't live a lifestyle of urgency. A lot of people in this world, especially in America, we seem to be rushing everywhere. All right, we wake up, we rush to get our kids ready, then we rush to work because we're running a little bit behind, then we rush home, then we rush to pick up the kids, rush to take them to soccer practice, rush to the grocery store. Oh, snap, I forgot I got another kid at daycare I left there, so I got to rush and take them to daycare. We're always rushing everywhere. But shepherds don't live that fast-paced life. They live a life of patience. Okay? They take their sheep to one field to graze. Then they wait. They take their sheep to another field, wait, patiently. And now, yes, there's a time where they're delivered new baby sheeps in the spring and and then they're protecting them and all. But here's the thing, they don't live this fast-paced lifestyle. I actually got a chance to spend a few weeks in a country that had shepherds uh, one time. And so our group was actually going through like these mountains and we saw a bunch of sheep grazing and, and we saw their shepherd just chilling on a rock, just waiting. We waved at him and, he waved back with half his teeth missing while he's picking at his toes. But, but he was just chilling. He was just hanging out and waiting because they understand a the lifestyle of waiting. Shepherds must live a life of patience. But what I think is so significant about these shepherds is that they understood there is a time to wait and be patient, but there's also a time to rush. In this case, rush to see the Messiah being born. And so for us, I believe, I strongly believe we should wait on the Lord. We should be rest in his presence. His time is different than our time. I understand all that. However, as much as I believe in waiting on the Lord, I do believe there are times that he calls us to do something and immediate action is required. When God speaks something to us that requires immediate action, the last thing we should be doing is dragging our feet, especially if the outcome is one of these, or the outcome to our obedience is one of these great moments. Luke chapter 11, verse 28 says, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Not who hear the word of God, hang out for a little bit, and then obey it. And so look, this Christmas season, or I guess even moving into 2019, there may be some things in your life that you need to stop dragging your feet and hurry up to do. Because if you wait too long, the great moment may pass. It could be something like reconciling with a family member. It could have something to do with work or a future education. It could maybe even be the Holy Spirit nudging you to go talk to someone, your neighbor, your coworker, your family member about his love for them, whatever it may be. And and hear me, there may be some things in your life where if you keep dragging your feet, you could miss out on a great moment. And so not only did the shepherds understand responsibility and not only did they understand when to rush, I think they also understood number three, The need to return. The need to return. Verse 20 says the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen because it was just as the angels had told them. Look, they understood they couldn't stay in that moment forever because that moment wasn't going to last forever. You see, we try to stay in these incredible moments, but we know they don't last very long. And what's so frustrating for us is it seems like the worst moments of our life are the ones that last the longest, but then these great moments happen in the blink of an eye. And so if our expectation stays up here, which it should because the moment is meeting our expectations, but... If our expectation stays up here long enough, longer than the moment lasts, we will quick, quickly be very discouraged because life is not meeting our new level of expectation. And what happens is we may then become angry at the Lord. We may become confused. We may even start doubting God's hand in our life because it's not how it used to be. I think that's, that's why so many Christians' spiritual life is like a roller coaster at Six Flags. Because they have this great experience, but then they expect that to be life's new normal. What we should be doing is what the shepherds did, right? We have this great moment. We are present in that moment. We experience the moment. But when the great moment is over, we then return to our daily grind of life. Praising and thanking God for all that he did. And then using that to fuel and energize our faith as we go back to our normal Christian life and continue to walk with the Lord stronger than ever before. We've got to understand when to return. So as the worship team comes back up, it's important for us to know that God wants us to have these great moments. And I believe that the story of the shepherds in Luke chapter two wasn't placed there just so Luke could hit his word amount on the page. But I think it was there to show us something, to show us that, well, in order to have these great moments that God wants for us, we need to make sure that we're able to handle them responsibly and not get caught up with our behaviors and emotions that question our integrity, We need to understand also that there is a time to wait and there is a time to not drag our feet but to take immediate action. And then once that great moment has come, we must make sure that all that we saw the Lord do and we must take that and return to our daily Christian grind fueled to move forward with an even greater faith than before. But the thing is, it all starts... It all starts with a decision. It all starts with a decision, a decision to open up your life to a world of great opportunities. I'd like to quickly say a prayer of encouragement, but let this prayer challenge us to follow the example of these shepherds in Luke chapter two and to be responsible with what the Lord gave us or gives us and to rush and take immediate action when he calls on us and and then not let the expectation of that great moment to become our normal, but let it to fuel us as we move forward with our normal life. Let's pray, Lord. God, we are so grateful that you give us the Bible to learn these things from. But God, I pray that we would take what we have learned from the shepherds. I, I pray we would take what Luke is telling us, and God, we would be able to apply it to our life. God, that we would be able to strive for and live for and expect great moments in our life because you want what's best for us. And so God, I pray over every single person in this room, would they have great moments in their future? Would they have great moments in their marriages, Lord? Would they have great moments in their families, Lord? Would you bring children back to the homes and would you reconcile siblings but God, would you also allow us to be a part of having great moments in our community where we can influence Arlington, we can influence DFW and allow your name to come off the, off the lips of every single person. God, give us opportunities to speak life into our neighbors. God, give us opportunities. Holy Spirit, nudge us to communicate with our coworkers and, and share our story and what you've done in our life. But God, when you call on us to do this stuff, let us not drag our feet, but will we take the immediate action that the shepherds took when you called them to go see the Messiah? And God, I pray that you would remind us that we can take the experiences from these moments and allow what we've seen and heard you do to fuel our life, that we would live out a stronger faith in you than ever before.